0: Hello, and thank you for joining us on the Optimal Wealth Podcast, where we discuss creating passive income through real estate. Our mission is to help educate investors on how to grow wealth and invest passively. My name is Jared Alexander, and I am a passive investor, currently in six syndications as a limited partner. I am also the founder of Optimal Equity Group, which is a real estate investment firm that was created primarily to help educate the passive investor. We do that in a couple of different ways. One is we provide education to help give you the confidence to get into the pasta investing space. And two, each episode, we will interview amazing guests that explore the strategies, insights and secrets used by successful investors. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out on your real estate journey, this podcast is designed to help give you the confidence and knowledge you need to make informed and profitable decisions welcome to another show of the optimal wealth podcast and today we have our guest craig my brother craig welcome to the show
1: thank you so much for having me pleasure to connect with you today
0: yeah absolutely man and uh you know craig craig and i met um probably what is it a few months ago now um at the at had a little uh, event mixer what we call it at at his house there and Got to know Craig a little bit more, but I'm honestly, Craig, we haven't really sat down and and had that long of a conversation. So I'm interested in kind of getting into your um, story, how you got into real estate, um, and and kind of what what got you into the multifamily space and working with Lone Star Capital. So well, before we do that, though, let me go ahead and uh, I'm going to read your little quick bio here for you and. Uh, so Craig is the director of business development at Lone Star Capital which has acquired over 350 million of multi uh multifamily real estate and I think we're we're probably about uh 500 million now right Craig on that
1: Yes sir we're about yeah. a half a billion so that about needs to get updated Yeah mm-hmm.
0: definitely and uh, has a passion for sharing his enthusiasm for multifamily investing and serving Lone Star's investors Prior to joining Lone Star Capital, Craig spent seven years in the real estate sales industry and sold over 100 homes. He graduated from the University of Arizona with a degree in urban and regional development. So, yeah, quite. So it's definitely got some history in real estate there, Craig. So I'm going gonna, gonna to kick it over to you. And if you could just walk us through that journey and, and how you got to where you're at today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for the for the background and having me on the show today. Um, Basically, I came out of the womb wanting to sell real estate when I was a kid, I was watching ESPN SportsCenter that and then also I was watching HGTV and flipping shows. So I always thought perfect, why would I just sell houses so graduated college got my real estate um, license for California. And I thought I wanted to sell houses for forever. Then I realized, well, I didn't love the Bay Area long term. I didn't feel like this is the place I wanted to be forever. And then I moved to Phoenix, Arizona, which is where we met, of course, at my house um, and uh, started selling real estate here. And then one day I got beaten up over about a $500 transaction dispute on a deal. Um, And then that same day I called Rob. Rob and I became very good friends over a couple of year period at this point. And he was telling me about, he was getting beaten up for a $50,000 dispute on just with a partnership kind of setting up. I'm like, okay, well, I want that problem so i kind of you know put my feelers out with him saying hey if there's ever a position where the firm's looking to expand um and needs a more formal salesperson please let me know because i'd love to potentially see what that would look like if there's some mutual interest sure enough there was some mutual interest that's what got me in from the single family home sales background into the multifamily kind of private equity space so it was very organic and If i didn't have such an incredible mentor uh and friend and rob i don't think i'd be in the space now but i'm very grateful uh for the knowledge the insights and the career trajectory that that kind of transfer has made for me uh, as we are today so I was selling homes for about seven eight years and then uh switched over to uh raising equity and uh director of business development which is basically relationship building relationship preservation um, and all things kind of uh, equity side for the firm
0: a lot to unpack there um and i like how you talked about you know espn and then hgtv you know i think uh you and i are similar in a lot of ways i i love sports but i you know and but growing up my family was in real estate as well right and i just kind of had that knack for just being involved in and in what they were doing and the single family homes and stuff they they owned and fixed up um as far as my mom and my my grandfather there. So it definitely relates to you on that aspect. And and so you know I, I think one thing to point out is just, you know, the power of, and, and you come from a sales background, right? With the with being a realtor and like selling homes, but just the the power of you know reaching out networking and putting yourself out there and you know reaching out to an old friend like rob puts you in a position now to you know now you're you know you're not doing single family homes somewhere; you're on a much larger scale i you know i uh craig and i and, and low star have had the opportunity to partner on a few deals and the last transaction i know was what 105 million right yes sir across three pro- you know three um three properties there so 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 tell us why, you know, why not? Did you ever um buy single family and invest in it, you know, personally, or, or tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I bought my primary residence, which was the first house that I acquired, which is the house that you visited me at, of course. Okay. Um, and I still want to own a fair bit of single family homes just for the um, you know, diversification play and also my insights of being a real estate agent. So I'm very open-minded to doing that. But the unfortunate reality that you learn in the single family space is the lack of scalability you'll get on the cash flow perspective and operations so first off when it comes to single family homes as opposed to multifamily, um, naturally they're spread out so it's less scalable but on top of that uh, you know one little miscellaneous thing like a roof kind of you know coming out uh or you know being an issue or fixing a dishwasher or a pool pump or something of that nature could come up that could be a couple thousand bucks that really does eat up your year one initial cash flow Um, As opposed to in the multifamily space, especially in the syndication space we plan, you're, you know, already kind of baking in CapEx improvements and, um, you know, lift um, associated items uh, in the budget on the front end that should kind of take up the this, you know, situation and process where all the free cash flow should be eaten up. So there's just typically speaking, more cash on cash return to be created there. And also, um, you can force a little bit more appreciation, it seems in the multifamily space. Uh, as opposed to the single family space. Plus, the scalability is really attractive, especially when you figure out and build up partnerships like we have at Lone Star. So um, it's a little bit harder to scale a business in the single family space from the investment side, I believe, as opposed to the multifamily space. And I learned this in real time. Uh, through buying my house I've learned that hey you have a special issue of things that are going to come up and uh although I will be buying more houses in the future I think the multifamily space typically speaking is a better uh, vehicle for investment and for you know equity growth and multiplication
0: yeah no definitely I, I agree 100% and you know and I come from I you know, bought my, my first single family out of state, and and the goal was I was just going to buy sixty, seventy houses, right? I wanted to just replace my w. Part to scale. It, it really is, and I yeah. I did that first, you know, and uh, first purchase, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I got to do this sixty more times, right? Which I was still willing to do. I mean, I'm I'm determined, but then, like you said, three weeks after that, I got my first bill. And it was a sump pump repair, right? Which had no idea it was an out-of-state rental, didn't even factor into something up. And four thousand dollars later, I just wiped out my cash flow for two years, right? Well,
1: and on top of that as well, to think about is this every micro place you go to invest in. So let's say if you're investing in the Midwest or investing in the East Coast or you know, the Florida or Texas area, right? Or Arizona or wherever it may be, every single geographical location will come with its own nest of issues. So Arizona will have its own set of issues. Texas will, whatever it may be. Uh, the issue is if you invest out of state is, and especially if you're, you know, geographically diverse in, in different areas, you're going to learn the hard way what those are every single time you go through the property. and An inspection report can be helpful, but the reality is that once you own the property and you have your tenant in there and they're renting it, the problems will really start to come out as opposed to. You know, what was disclosed in that selling process and that inspection process when someone kind of briefly goes through for, you know, a couple hour process.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can, you can underwrite as much as you can think of, but you, you just, like you said, you never know what's going to come out, you know, after that initial inspection or like, like again, just who thinks about a sump? Like, uh, you know, we don't have those out here in Arizona, right? We're both here in Phoenix and, you know, you just, yeah, you don't think about. But the other, uh, the other thing to that is you, what you mentioned about scalability, right? Is you know, and let's just even talk about a one unit to say a, a fourteen unit or a fifty unit, right? I mean, you're still doing the, pretty much the same amount of work as far as underwriting the property, acquiring it, inspection. Now it's a much higher dollar amount, and you want to definitely you know, make sure you dot your I's and cross your T's because, you know, one mistake can really be costly. But, you know, as long as you do all that, I mean, and getting that to the finish line, it's, you know, it's the same amount of work. You get a property manager in there, you manage the property, but you're, you got instead of one, one single family unit, one tenant paying rent, you know, that asset spread across, you know, between 14 to 50 people paying rent, you know, which I, I believe is is more risk mitigated, right?
1: Well, especially, you know, when you've got, you know, only one tenant, well, when your tenant moves out, you have a month long process to replace it. But if you've got 10 doors, and you know, you've got nine people renting there, you know, it, it will feel less impacted, uh, that one tenant moving out as opposed to, you know, one of or sorry, uh, the, the one if it's your only tenant moving out has a way bigger impact than, you know, one of 10. So, you know, you can absorb... Uh, that loss there and that turnover process, so it's uh, a little bit more dynamic in that regard.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Well, and so let's—I think that's a good transition. And so, so now you know, you 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 know, come out of the realtor space. You're working with Lone Star Capital. Let Let's dive into a little bit of. Uh, I think let's talk about the market. You know, um, how what are y'all doing to to mitigate risk? And with the high interest rates, and what are y'all foreseeing? Um, I know I just asked about three or four questions. We could probably spend a podcast on each of those just alone. But uh, but uh, if you could kind of condense that a little bit and and just kind of tell us where you're at and, and and what Lone Star is doing today.
1: Yeah, well, we're really excited. We so we have two strategies for uh, our acquisitions. So as you know, we've got our market rate deals, which are just normal down the fairway, uh, value add multifamily plans, buying you know kind of A minus to you know B minus deals, um, you know 80s or newer, ideally 90s and 2000s, but we will do 80s uh, for sure uh, with some sort of value add play. So we have that side, and then the the other side that we we also work with, which is a little more unique that Lone Star Capital does, which is the affordable plays. Or we utilize some sort of a tax payment or some sort of credit uh, that makes the deal unique and gives us a little bit of investment alpha um, with some nuance and complexity to it. Um, so those kind of the two things that we're doing, looking to buy, you know, deals in that 15 to $50 million range, typically speaking, hold it for about three to five years uh, is the plan. So that's kind of what we're up to right now. Um, and not much has changed there. Looking for you know a really solid and handsome return um, above obviously market beta naturally with the uh, forced appreciation with the value add improvements. Uh, but what we're seeing right now is actually cap rates widen a very healthy amount. Um, so leverage has actually gotten a lot more attractive because we're going in with fixed rate agency debt. Um, so that will accommodate a five year you know hold structure five to seven years. Uh, maybe we'll sell before if the capital market will will prevail and uh, things look solid. We're looking to hold deals for, call it five to, uh, or sorry, four to, you know, six years, typically speaking, Um, maybe exit the deal a little bit early. Um, But, you know, with leverage being better right now, with cap rates widening and uh, interest rates uh, actually starting to go down a bit, there's a really nice kind of play right now where we're seeing deals that are really penciling out and making sense, Uh, even if rents stay pretty soft but we're excited about them so we're finally seeing the dam break a bit and you know yields expand a bit uh so that's really exciting and encouraging to see the cash on cash has really increased over the last i would say year um you know over you know 200 points i would say just on going in and then cap rates have expanded a good amount. so it's obviously scary if you've got any bridge debt or floating rate debt you know coming due coming up here in 2024 and 2025 there's no doubt or if you're in your extension period right now Fortunately, we have very few properties with that debt profile and structure, and the deals that we do have there are uh, very well stabilized and uh, shouldn't experience any capital calls. So we're excited about that, and we're just ready to play offense in a trying time.
0: So, so real quick, I am, and I'm glad you brought that up. You know, the bridge loan versus the fixed rate debt, because like you said, a lot of these. I mean, I think there's. I just heard a a number over a trillion dollars coming due just in 2024, right? Of um, a bridge loan debt which is just floating rate debt. So a lot of these operators, you know, got a a three-year three year debt and hopefully bought an interest rate cap, right? Um, if they didn't, they're probably really in trouble. But, you know, now, you know, these 2021 deals, early 2022, are, they're gonna be coming due here next year. And so, you know, if they didn't buy a rate cap, again, they're going to, you know, be paying a price here. But even the guys that did buy a rate cap, I mean, and are performing their um, business plan and executing it just as planned are still in trouble, right, Craig? I mean, you've probably seen these on a few properties. And so I want to talk about that difference. And and, and again, the risk mitigation, because as an investor, as a passive investor, I want to house my money. I, I want to, you know, get the best returns for my money while while mitigating, you know, minimal risk, right? Uh, you know, investing in an asset that that's going to have, you know, um bet, I, I want to invest in an asset where I'm not going to lose my money, just to sum it up, right? So so yeah. how are you know, so yeah, touch on that a little bit between that and a fixed-rate debt?
1: Well, the sad thing is that most people don't look at the debt profile. They don't look at anything but one number. That number, of course, is the projected equity multiple in IRR. And unfortunately, you can really skew those those numbers with your projections and inputs and whatnot. We are very conservative on our projections. So sometimes we actually lose the potential of an investor due to the fact that uh, we are uh, not the most aggressive when it comes to projections we'd rather come in really close into what we think it's going to be or even maybe downplay what we think the deal is going to do to best impress and you know earn their trust and respect of our investors over a long period of time um, so unfortunately a lot of investors are frankly blind to risk um, and what's going to have have be an issue is that the shorter your debt period is the riskier the investment is just inherently going to be and that bridge loan and that floating rate debt deals that a lot of we're doing it in 2021 and 2022. The best that are going to be the problem. Children are deals that were likely with a two or three year debt prof- profile, and unfortunately, coming up now uh, in 2024 and 2025 is just going to be simply the cap rate market is too wide for, and they're going in cap was, and what their exit is. Therefore, there's been a lot of equity um, evaporation. So effectively, those deals are riskier nature due to the short term debt profile on them so they have to exit and market or refinance in a market where the deals have kind of um, gone down in value so the basically the longer the debt period the safer the deal is then the safest structure you could have on a deal that might have slightly lower irr is likely that 10-year you know fixed rate debt period that would you know have a longer tarmac because you'd have to think, hey, in 10 years, you're going to increase the yield on the property, you're going to increase the rents, you're going to stabilize the, the property, you're going to do a lot of improvements. And then it's safe to say and assume that in the 10-year cycle and period, that there's going to be a very green pasture to, to exit the deal and sell from where you know you should get uh, a favorable enough cap rate where you could leave the property uh, over that course of time and, and make some good investor money.
0: Yeah, no, I like that. and And, you know, as I'm thinking... I like kind of have what I just said is yeah, I definitely want the best return, but I'm okay with a little less return and not, you know, doubling or or you know two and a half X in my my money. If if I know in, in three to five years, hey, I'm gonna get what's projected, maybe a little bit more, you know, than the than what we're you know projected on the business plan there or the pro forma. But I'm okay with the doubles or the or a triple. Yeah, right. I'll
1: take a single. Just I just don't want to lose money. Right and to your point. Yeah, what what you want to focus in on if that's what really what you're seeking is the the tarmac of the deal. How long are you going to invest in it for? Is it five years? Is it seven year with the, the debt structure? Uh, what are the rent assumptions and components there uh, as opposed to you know what yardier co are is going to stay and then. Uh, you know the business plan and also the leverage point you know usually uh, if you want to be a little safer you know max out make sure that your dscr your debt coverage servicing ratio you know is above that 1.25 threshold you know those are the key metrics you really want to hone in and focus in on um if you're you know looking for a safer return profile
0: yeah yeah no, absolutely well and, and i'll tell you you know as as um coming from a passive investor here, kind of from that perspective, you know, when I'm looking at investing with an operator, right, of course you always hear the know, like, and trust. And, and I've had the opportunity to work with Lone Star and their team. And I just got to say, they're they're awesome to work with. You know, you look for the communication, they have the experience, they have the track record. You know, you you heard uh, Craig talk a little bit about that earlier on. And now they're up to what, half a billion um, dollars under asset management their the creative financing or the, you know the creative deals that they're coming up with using these tax abatement strategies like on that three you know property portfolio we just we just saw y'all you know implement that and which was a process right but yes. it you know with that but got it to the finish line and and which is huge especially in Texas and I know that you know um some good cash on cash return there but you know I I like how with, with Lone Star Capital, right? I, I think it's important to to really look at, and and Craig, I want you to touch on this a little bit, is, you know, of course, yeah, no like and trust, communication is great, but let's go into the underwriting bottom, because I think that's where y'all really stand out, um, as well, and then, like we were just talking about, kind of, the, the little lower projections, but let's talk about Rob and, and his experience, um, you know, just the books he's written, and let's kind of go down that road a little bit. If you could just touch on that for
1: us, yeah, yeah. Well, effect effectively, Rob has published two books that have sold over twenty thousand copies. So, and in a in niche space it's quite a, a large amount of copies for books. um You know, the definitive guide to multifamily underwriting, and the other book was a uh, structuring debt and equity for multifamily real estate or just for real estate. So, two great and impactful books that are uh, super crucial for. Uh, The industry and the firm and for educational purposes recommend you to, uh, to pull those up and to acquire them if you're looking to learn more about investing if you're an LP or if you're, you know, trying to become a sponsor recommend both but you know rob effectively. Um, has also created an underwriting model that's proprietary that is open for the public. So it's kind of his model that he created that he thought was helpful for, you know, kind of underwriting deals that are likely in that 100 plus unit uh, space. If it's below 100 units, it's not as applicable and tangible for your specific underwriting. But, you know, really helps us have a slight cut above and understanding with, you know, our uh, proprietary information that we've created, uh, that we've allowed for people to, to use as well. Um, But, you know, really confident in our underwriting projections. And it's something that um, we're only getting better at. And also for our uh, purposes of, you know, uh, reporting and, you know, uh, investment and asset management. It's really important that, you know, we track our information and data super well. Our underwriting helps us do that. Um, so it's a really robust system with our reporting um and you know on the trust side for the no like trust, it's uh, probably an easier process to start the trusting side with us due to uh, the nature of you know effectively how we uh report and um implement our our information and you know are so transparent uh through the out the investment hold process as well,
0: yeah, well, and I can definitely speak to that transparency because i mean if anybody's interested, just go to. You know, what is it? L S-C-R-E mm-hmm. uh, dot, dot com, com. Right. Mm-hmm. And and everything what Craig had just mentioned, it's it's all on there. I mean, anybody can go view it. You can spend literally hours just on the content, not even without buying the books or anything, just on the content they have there of 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 what they do, how they underwrite these deals and their process with that. Um, so You know, I, yeah, thanks for, thanks for touching on that, Craig, because I I think that's super important. I mean, I, again, just going back to, like you said, the trust factor, I'll tell you, as a passive investor and, and, you know, with Lone Star Capital, I, I get the updates too, right? So, you know, whenever you are in a deal, you see the updates. I mean, again, very transparent. There's, there's overload information, right? Just, You know i don't even have time to go through it and really look at everything that's in there but you know it's it's everything's in there right so what you appreciate from the sponsor i just i just want to know that you know hey they're they're doing a great job they're communicating what they need to do they're sending me the monthly updates you know and and most importantly really is i'm getting a check you know that uh monthly right which what, what was promised or you know, not necessarily promised. I don't like to use that word, but you know, what was projected in the, um, in the business plan. Right. Because um, just to clarify, nothing's guaranteed in this business. Um, so, but you know, you definitely like to see people delivering on what they, what they say they're going to do, which again, you know, another shout out to Lone Star there. Um, so, so Craig, let's, let's talk about uh, where, what, what you see, where you see the market, um in the, in the next few years? I mean, you know, do you see interest rates stabilizing a little bit going down? If, if they are going down, do you have a percentage? And again, these are just crystal ball uh, assumptions here, but just curious on, on what your thoughts are on everything.
1: Yeah. I definitely think there will be rate cuts coming into the election year of 2024. I feel certain how much we don't know when we don't know, but I do feel that that is coming. Um, So I feel pretty good about that. I do think though, that you can't outrun the math and the numbers on this deal are for a lot of deals so there just will be a lot of distress due to so much debt as you mentioned earlier coming due coming up so inevitably that's going to be a problem for uh many people who just bought at the wrong times of the cycle with the wrong debt structure uh so there will be a lot of distress and great opportunity to buy for those that can play offense here coming up and can raise money for deals and buy deals you'll be very handsomely rewarded for for your courage and your bravery to do so and your ability to do so um so we plan on just buying as much as possible uh, we've got a very stable portfolio so you know I'm I'm sure that fundamentals will get a little softer uh but rates will get cut soon and the economy will bounce back at some point so I do think that transaction volume will also pick up soon as well as uh rates get more normalized really stabilized from I think a a height perspective, you know, once rates are stable and kind of start going down is when transaction volume just starts to kind of pick up again. So I think uh, the slowness of the market will be over in 2024. And I think 2024 and 2025 will be incredible opportunities to, uh, you know, make some acquisitions and investments if you're a passive investor. And if you kind of been thinking about raising capital or kind of bundling up some money together, you know, I definitely think 2024 and 2025 Will be some incredible years to kind of get your ducks in a row to start doing that and making those moves if you're uh you know a capital raiser or uh you know you're looking to uh, get into buying properties i think these are great years to come up from a, a vintage perspective
0: i agree 100 and and just like you said Craig, i mean especially these next couple of years there's going to be a lot of opportunities and i'm i'm excited uh for the years to come it's it's you know it's bittersweet, right? You're going to see a lot of people, unfortunately, that you know got caught up with these bridge loans and are going to have to foreclose or you know hand these properties back over to the banks. But on the other side, that's where you know an operator like Lone Star Capital is going to be ready, you know, to have all the resources in place to go out and and get these deals, you know, under contract and and um, I I think it, well, again, like Craig said, if you're an active investor or a passive investor, I think it's a great opportunity to get involved in, and I uh, just take advantage of, of what's to come for sure. So, yeah, thanks for thanks for touching on that, Craig. And, um, you know, I, I kind of want to shift over now and what we call the fire round. We'll go ahead and kick it off here. So the the first one is, could you recommend a book on real estate for investors just starting out? And another book that is particularly good for cultivating a positive mindset
1: i would do rich dad poor dad would be the most important book that anyone could ever read i think if you get to read one book i would definitely do that um and then although i don't really agree with everything associated regarding around this guy i think 10x uh or seller be sold by grant cardone is actually a really great book that's just from a mindset perspective so i do recommend that uh not too keen on some of the other things that he does but i can uh, fully recommend that book from a mindset perspective
0: yeah i'm with you i i like the guy overall but there's there's some things that you know the
1: jury's still out on if i like him or not i don't know if i can go that far but i do like some of his messaging i will say that
0: yeah exactly i'm gonna say that seller be sold is a great book you know i mean and it, it talks about you're selling yourself with anything you do or being sold to
1: everything in life is sales which i can appreciate as a salesperson yeah whole life so
0: <laughs> yeah well i love the part in that book yeah me too and where he talks about you know uh having to sell his wife on on marrying him right you yeah. know because i i relate to that as well man it was it was a hard sale but i i, I was happy to close that deal for sure and,
1: yeah that's the most sporting deal you ever have to
0: close yeah absolutely absolutely um all right cool so what is a uh, next question? What is the practical first step the audience can take to explore the space of passive investing?
1: Ooh, well, budget your lifestyle and your income, your P&L, because if you don't have the money to invest, you can't invest. So really figure out a way to make extra money so you can actually get your foot in the door. And, you know, when you see, you know, crazy COVID gains in 2020, 2021, 2022, early in the year where you hear these people having just great pops and stuff. Can only take advantage of that if your money's in the market so really audit your p l and figure out your bottom line to uh you know put your money in the market and get it to work for you as quickly as possible yeah
0: no I, yeah i'm really glad you said that and it's just that whole concept of pay yourself first too right before you go out and buy the fancy boats and the fancy cars or whatever right it means pay yourself first and invest in your future um and you know make sure your your personal finances are in order Um, because if they're not like, I've had conversation with investors it's you really don't really, I I turn people away because I I just don't think it's the right fit for them to be placing their money with me when their personal finances are, or a mess or they're in debt or or things like that. So, um, I think that's great, uh, that that you touched on that, Craig, because it's it's super important. It really is. That's, what's going to set you up for that financial success in the future, right? third question here what is a daily habit you practice keeping you on track towards your goals
1: getting back to everyone as quickly as possible via email to make sure everyone has their questions answered for our deals
0: yeah i like that and i appreciate that as well and uh again just another shout out to craig and his team you know with with Dasha and and everybody they're super transparent and uh, very responsive um which as a, both, of, you know, as a partner with you guys and a limited partner with you guys, right? I appreciate, you know, for sure. So, great right, right answer. All right. And uh, fourth and final question. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would that be?
1: Probably a, a nice person.
0: I like that. All right. Well, cool, Craig. Well, um, well, yeah, if you could, uh, before before we jump off here, tell, tell listeners how they can uh, find you, connect with you, learn more about you and Lone Star.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much once more for having me on the show. If you want to reach out to me, my email is craig, C-R-A-I-G, at lscre.com. If you're looking to invest or raise money for uh, some of our opportunities to partner together, the more the merrier. Always looking to have the best and sturdiest bullpen uh, of people and options there. Looking to learn more about the firm, you can go to our website, www.lscre.com. And then if you're looking for more educational information or listen to one of the shows that Rob and I do, uh, I, we have two podcasts. It's the Capital Spotlight podcast. We have a weekly conversation with Rob and sometimes we have guests on that show. Very rarely do we have guests, but then also finally Fun Friday where I interview fund managers and capital raisers um, that we've partnered with to discover what they like to uh, raise for, what they look for in these deals and hear some of their projections and predictions as well. Awesome.
0: Well, thanks, Craig. And and again, I just really high, uh encourage everyone to go go to that website, you know, and, and and look at the content. Just again, they got a ton of information on there. Or if you're interested, go go grab the books that Rob wrote. Um. And uh, and Craig, again, thanks for thanks for joining us. And um, we will um, uh, we'll talk soon. I'm sure. Oh,
1: absolutely. Thank you so much. Looking forward to partnering with you. Hopefully, in another deal in 2024 and beyond.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Optimal Wealth Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, be sure to optimize your results and take massive action on what you have learned here today. For more, visit OptimalEquityGroup.com.